Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die CFML News Edition podcast. It's May 12th, 2020, and I'm Gavin Pekin, Auto Solutions Software Consultant. And I have Brad Wood with me today, who's the lead architect for Auto Solutions. I was going to say professional yak shaver, but that works. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like that's what we're working on, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, let's start off by thanking our sponsors, Auto Solution. Um, so you can get live training from the makers of your favorite box product. And Into the Box 2020 was last week. It was a great conference, and we're recording is going to be available on our new product we announced last week, CFCAS, very soon. So please check that out when we announce that officially. What about your least favorite box products? Well, can you get support on those as well? Like if command box is just really ticking you off, can you still get support? Does that still work? Yeah, I guess <laughs> almost any box products. We did have, we did uh, sunset a couple of products, but uh, you probably don't even recognize them. So that's, that's okay. there's a reason we sunset them. Yeah. <laughs> and we also want to thank our patron supporters. We got another uh, new supporter this last week, Carl von Stetten. And I think he just did that so he could be on the, the list again, because he was on the list previously, and then uh, he's signed up again. So He missed thank it. Thank you, Kyle. Yep. Uh, and so we're at 45% of being fully funded now for our podcast, thanks to our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash order solutions. So thank you, everybody, for that. And thanks for helping making things like this podcast and our open source initiatives uh, you know, a possibility. So... First on the news, uh, we have Adobe Confusion Developer Week next week. Can't believe it's here already. So. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of content coming up, and it is all uh, virtual. So they're kind of spreading it out over a few days. Is that right? Yeah, so they've got uh, two sessions a day over the five days. And so it's pretty much the same content you would have got if you went to CF Summit East. But this time it's uh, all virtual, all online, and just as before, it's all free to watch. So as long as you register, uh, you get the link sent out to you so you can watch the sessions. And I believe they have uh, you know one earlier in the day and one late in the day, so hopefully that works for all time zones. So um, it's got Excellent. some got some interesting information about it though too. Um, so I guess you can get CPE credits for doing these sessions too. Now, what is a CPE credit, Gavin? Um, I assumed it was um, continuing professional education, but I'm not sure what uh, mm. what industries need that or require it. But I know, like as teachers and everything, there's certain things you can do. You know, keep your continuing education credits going. Um, you're required to do so many per per year or whatnot. So I thought that was interesting, and also it sounds like they're uh, basically every session. Um, Promises an exciting raffle draw where you can have the chance to win a hundred dollar gift card as well. Wow! So yeah, so they're they're going all out, trying to make us show up. So next week, um, <laughs> yeah, all five days. So it looks like a, a good session. I said I know we've got some of the the community members that we're all familiar seeing at all these conferences. We've got Charlie Earhart and Pete Freitag, and I believe Nolan Irk is going to be there too. But um, if you go to cfdevweek.meetus.adobeevents.com <laughs> you can uh, check out all the information there and they have actually a whole page on the CPE credits and everything too so I uh, just shared that in that group so um, but yeah so we have 
uh, Dave Watts speaking. We have Bruno Zugay, Luis Mahano, Rex Sheaf, Brian Class, Dave Ferguson, Pete Freitag, Charlie Earhart, and Brian Seppi. So it's a pretty good group. And then uh, the opening keynote, um, I believe, is going to be a combination of the Adobe team members. So pretty cool. Excellent. Looking forward to all that. Speaking of conferences, we had a busy week last week. At least you and I did. (laughs) Yep. Into the box last week. Um, I think it was uh, an overall a pretty pretty good success. What do you think? Uh, It was a heck of a lot of fun, if nothing else. But we had tons of people. Every session was uh, standing room only in the Zoom virtual rooms. Yep. (laughs) We we had the little uh, virtual office going on with the Sococo program, and you could like go between rooms and visit the sponsor booths all online. Yeah. Um, it was kind of cool to see who was in which session and you could find people to see where they're at and you could chat with them. And yeah. you know, a lot of people were, you know, starting up their own little calls to chit chat in the, in the break rooms or on the breakout rooms after the sessions. And yeah, there was a couple of things that they could have fixed. So we got some uh, bug <laughs> improvements for uh, Sococo. One is yeah. uh, the notification defaults could have been better. When you got over 120 odd people entering the keynote, and every time someone enters, yeah. your thing goes ding, ding. Gavin ding, enters ding. the room. Gavin <laughs> leaves the room. Brad enters the room. Yeah, yeah. a little busy. Um, but it, I mean, it's not the same as a real life conference, but at least gave us a little bit of uh, of feel of being able to kind of see who was there and go into rooms and talk with them so yeah and i like the fact that uh you know you had like these little people avatars that moved around and there's all these little tables and chairs set up and and edgardo was um managing my room when i did one of my one of my talks and he had to get more virtual tables to bring into the room (laughs) because there was no room for anyone to sit down so he was bringing tables in there it was pretty funny the one thing you thought you wouldn't have to do with a virtual conference is crap we're out of tables go get more (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep so that was kind of fun but uh as people were saying in the chat john Fry said he'll say it again it was the best virtual conference he's ever attended to date and, uh, and we didn't even have to pay john that much to say that yep and then sean odin uh he he agreed and yeah a lot of uh you know a lot of things but uh he did mention sococo was a lot like cold box three there's room to improve and um but <laughs> considering we picked it up last minute you know and it gave the conference that little virtual conference feel instead of just a bunch of zoom meetings that you got invited to so yeah. so yeah but so, I mean, overall the sessions were had lots of uh interaction people were asking questions and having fun and it, it was still kind of nice that we were able to just unmute the mics for some of our end of the day um wrap ups and just let everybody talk and share so that was that was pretty good as well yeah and with that being said um we did have the the keynote stream live and so we have mm-hmm. we'll share both those days. yep both days are streamed live and at the end of the first day we had sort of an ad hoc uh, chit chat like you said with open mics uh, as a modernizer die conference edition basically live from into the box so if you want to hear us ramble on and ask you a few questions uh to some of the participants and see what their what their thoughts were of the day so far and what they're looking forward to we have that up on youtube and that links are going to be in there as well so but it was a yeah i think it went really well i got through my three sessions and my keynote without uh completely passing out uh i did get some sleep as well during the week which is always a tough one but a lot of great announcements uh during the conference too and just a couple that i, I wanted to make a special note of you'll be getting blog posts coming out from water soon but um one of the one of the products we announced was CB Commerce. So it's an open source commerce platform for CFML coming out later this year. And so we've been working on that for a long time. And we even considered making a commercial product, 
But we decided that, you know, to really help the community and CFML in general, we wanted to make it open source and freely available so everybody can build on top of it. So we thought it'd be, you know, good for CFML. And so that will be coming out soon. And John uh, Clawson actually mentioned that in one of the keynotes. And then the most important thing up for Into the Box is CFCast, our new video training platform will be available very soon. And that's where all the Into the Box videos are going to be. So if you were attendee, you'll get those free, um, but there'll be subscription plans and purchasing options if you didn't attend the conference to be able to purchase those. And we'll be doing screencasts and a lot of other video content coming out through CFCast very soon. So I know we're finalizing that, editing all the videos, trying to get them all ready to release here pretty soon. Yeah, and Eric's actually working on getting CFCast polished, polished off today. So yep. hopefully we'll have those videos like uber fast be like yeah. uber eats but it'll be uber videos yep exactly it's uh it's gonna be good and i can't wait to, to get it out there because uh a few of the sessions that i wanted to go to i was up against like sean odin had a session because uh at the same time as mine so we both missed each other's and we really wanted to to see those so we're hoping we can you know get all those videos out to everybody so we can see it very soon so it's model Scott asks on. if Oh, sorry. I was going to say Scott Steinbeck just asked in the chat if if it's a Coalbox View site. I assume he means CF Casts. I have no idea. I've seen little bits of it. I know he's using Tailwind. I'm I'm not sure how much of it is in View, but it's it's sort of modeled after the Lowercast videos and everything. So. I, I know Eric made it a while ago, and it just never got it like finished and pushed out there. So it's kind of been sitting around waiting for him to to finish it off. And this is kind of the perfect the perfect time to put it into place. But I'm sure. Uh, Eric will put some information out on how it's built. Of course, once we push it out there, you can probably just go look at it. But <laughs> yep, exactly. But yes, yeah, so everybody, everybody else in the world is watching the videos. Scott Steinbeck's right-click view source. Ooh, what's going on in here? <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So, but there was some great content. I really liked um, Scott's talk. Uh, you know, working with a Raspberry Pi and a lighting setup, and it had a special light. So every time Brad tweeted, it would go off. That was pretty cool. <laughs> my favorite my favorite part right there yep and uh and in the chat john's jumping ship here and he's talking about relax 4 4.1 was released this last week and uh and john is right we completely rewrote the the backbone relax uh front end all the way to view so john got mm -hmm. crazy and updated that so relax 4.1.0 is released um, there's a lot of uh, work to, uh, you know, work with the enhancements of the open API V3 support to better formatting display of the new to 3.0 request body schema and properties. And yeah, completely rewritten on Vue.js. So uh, that's definitely a big plus there. And now it's much better dealing with those huge API files that hopefully you guys are all creating. Oh, yeah. You know, we had so many releases and things announced into the box. I believe that um, Paulina is actually putting together a blog post that covers just all of the announcements we made during our keynotes, which I There's think will be coming out <laughs> very soon this week. Yeah, exactly. A lot, no, a lot of the releases were all sort of waiting for into the box. And so those blog posts are going to start flying out as well. So you'll hear those in the next week or two. But those are the two I really wanted to spotlight because I know a lot of people were always asking about what can we do with, you know, online shopping. CB Commerce is a perfect answer for that. And the videos, everyone wants to know where they can get them. See if Cast is going to be the home for that. So very cool. Yep. So Inbox 6, don't get greedy, John. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, 
the Cobalt 6 um, release candidate is being worked on as well. Uh, Luis did a lot of work, and he's actually going to get another update for that release candidate out here pretty soon, just so you know as well. But um, like I said, check out those keynotes uh, and get the full breakdown of everything we've announced this last week or two. Also, reminder for a state of the CF Union survey. So um, please go fill that out. Do you know when that closes, Brad? No, I don't. I don't know when the final date for that is. Um, I don't know if it's published. Uh, I think some some years they may just keep it up until they kind of stop getting input on it. But I'll have to yeah. ask on that. So if you look here on the Terratech site, um, you know the questions are pretty pretty straightforward. You know, giving you lots of options for everything. There are a few pages, um, but. You know, it doesn't take too long, maybe about four or five minutes to get through the, the questions. And then more importantly is the, the answers, you know, and they've got a completed or partial completion stats, but you really want to get the rest of them in here so we can dive on that. But I know we shared some of the stats in our keynote about, you know, the some of the downloads and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, the the one some of the coolest statistics from our keynote and into the box was um, the usage of Docker. And John Clausen had shared, I, I believe it was 900% increase in the number of polls that our Ordis command box Docker images had since the same stat he had pulled last year at the previous end of the box. Yeah. So the the usage of, of our Docker images just based on the number of polls they're getting has been astronomical, which is really cool to see, both because I'm glad people are using the, the command box images, but also just because I'm super excited to see the Cold Fusion community, you know, jumping on on deployment, things like that. To be honest, the first time I heard of Docker, I thought to myself, yeah, it'll be 15 years before anybody uses this in Cold Fusion. Um, and while it's still not the primary source of deployment, it's picked up a lot faster than I originally thought it would. So it's yeah. really cool to see those kind of statistics every year. Yeah, it's kind of proud, too, to say that command box images are used more than the Adobe images and the Lucy images combined. Uh, yeah, that was one of my statistics is, is people use the command box image more than they use the official Lucy and Adobe images. So we... We do our best to build a better mousetrap. I don't know if we always succeed, but at least I'm glad people are getting use out of them. Yep. <laughs> They're exactly. useful for somebody. Yeah, probably just us, but <laughs> but no, there's a lot of good people um, supporting. There's some good sessions there. We had uh, um, Joel Lord from Red Hat Shift come and do a uh, you know talk on Kubernetes, and John did a good talk on containers and Docker, and obviously I did a deploying Docker one as well. So a lot of good content mm -hmm. there. So. Okay, well, let's jump into the conferences next. So. Actually, really quick before we leave into the box, for anyone who wasn't an attendee, but they're hearing all this stuff and they're thinking, man, I want to watch some of these sessions. Um, do we have information on what it'll take them to be able to purchase the recordings after the fact if they didn't already attend into the box? So CFCast site itself will have um, the registration form that you can basically purchase that. So the previous years are up on Vimeo. So Vimeo has on-demand packages where you can get ITB 2018 and 2019 for 9.99 each. Those are heavily discounted. So I don't have the official price yet for the videos, but as soon as the CFCast site is up, the existing attendees will be able to enter it for free. And those mm -hmm. others will be able to purchase the the package there. Perfect. So, so let's do it right there from CFCast. Yep. Excellent. So that's the plan. So we'll make a big announcement as soon as that's available. You'll see a blog post and we'll talk about it here. But yeah, so CFCast and we should have that information for you very soon. We're, we're trying to get it out because like I say, everyone wants to see the videos they missed when they're attending. Because two tracks means there's always something you're missing and there was a lot of good content uh, 
half it was a really hard decision most of the time so okay okay we can move on okay. move on yep um just for those i know john for i was going to ask when are the workshops going to be announced for into the box <laughs> they'll be announced very soon we're, we're finally unwinding from into the box so we haven't forgotten about the workshops but there's another conference actually today. It's the Open Source 101 online conference. That's Tuesday, May 12th. So it's already started. You may have uh, may have missed a bit of it. But if you want, you can register at opensource101.com and maybe check out a few sessions there. Um, next week, though, as we mentioned, Adobe Core Fusion Developer Week. So that's May 18th through the 22nd online. Two sessions a day, 10 sessions through the week. So um, just a reminder, that one is next week. And as well, next week, Microsoft Build. So um, Microsoft Build's doing their their conference May 19th and 20th. And they've got some crazy uh, 20, 48 hour digital experience where they're gonna be doing a lot of live sessions, rebroadcasting after the fact certain sessions. They're spreading things out so they're in all different time zones for all around the world so they can watch. And so it's going to be a very interesting uh, online virtual conference for them. So you can get more information at mybuild.microsoft.com. And again, this is another free free conference. Uh, and they've got a lot of great content, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of modern things going on there. Because obviously Microsoft's doing some good things lately, right? With uh, VS Code and uh, GitHub. And now they're taking over NPM and... Um, I remember when everyone, when Microsoft first took over GitHub, everybody was scared like it was the end of the world. <laughs> and now, not so much. So, yeah, so interesting stuff. And then, if you want more, it looks like there's another conference, DockerCon, May twenty eighth, right, Brad? Little thing called Docker. Yeah. Um, so it's of course a digital as well. So one day, and um, it's actually free. So. You want to go to DockerCon? Looks like you just have to register. So, um, reading through stuff here, three simultaneously streaming channels to jump between is what it says. So, yep. So sounds um, like quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, they'll be doing recorded sessions, and the presenters will be chatting live with, uh, as you go, and they'll be doing you know interviews and and live sessions <laughs> as well. So, pretty interesting. There's a lot of good content going on there. So. Um, as Scott said, we pretty much got half a DockerCon into the box because there was like three or four Docker sessions, and we admit, uh, a pretty popular Docker, but uh, yeah, DockerCon is gonna be great. I'm gonna be signing up for that one for sure. So, very cool. Um, CF Summit West, um, I heard on the Tweeterverse last night that some inside information from a couple of Adobe people said that CF Summit West is almost going to be announced as an online conference. Almost. So they're getting very close to making that decision. If not, it will be happening at October 28th and 29th at the Mirage Hotel in Vegas, but quite possibly this will be converting to an online conference very soon. We still haven't heard any word about call for speakers or anything like that. They're probably trying to wait until they define exactly what they're doing, <laughs> virtual or not. Um, but we should have some information very soon. We'll chase down... Um, the Adobe team, maybe bug them next week at the online conference and try and get an answer out of them for you. And yep. see if camp, we're still in holding patent there, waiting to see what happens. No information on that yet. Yeah. We did look and see if uh, any of the other conferences um, like NCDFCOM, etc. are coming back, but it looks like this time they're still in the ether. So 
be good to see a few more conferences. I remember going to like Miracon as well, and they had several of those. So, you know, pretty sad we don't have as many conferences, but as well as that virtual conference went, uh, a lot of people are asking for more into the box and, I think Luis even likes the idea. So we might be having, you know, <laughs> bringing our Autist Developer Week um, time slot back in or doing something like that. So we might have we to just do more webinars. I mean, because the webinars do kind of took the place of to a degree of the Developer Week, but it kind of all merged together since everything turned virtual this year. Yeah. I don't know. So we might have some more coming for you later in the year too, especially if travel is restricted still, we may have to, to do something, but it was, yeah, it was a good experience and I'm glad that conferences are still continuing to go on, you know, and we still had some fun. It's just the open mic sort of discussion that like we had, we recorded the day one, the day two, we just sort of sat around after talking for quite a while and you know, everything. <laughs> People didn't want it to be over, man. Yeah, just hanging out. People were getting the drink of their their choosing and just sitting down, chit chatting a little bit, and you know it was good. So we had some first time into the box attendees and some some returners, and yeah, uh, I know a lot of the speakers are are pretty happy with the way things went. And yeah, there's lots of slides and tweets out there for you guys too to go check out what they've done if you did miss it. Yeah, okay. um, the way I kept track on the Tweety pages is I just had a, a little stream and Hootsuite write a search for the hashtag into the box. Um, I usually do that during conferences. I think most people use the, uh, the into the box hashtag or, yeah, or ITB I saw 2020. a few use ITB 2020. So that was the official hashtag, but no one tells everybody. So they use both. <laughs> yeah. I use into the box and all mine, but I'm a rebel yeah. between, between the two of those, you can find most of the, most of the tweets that were going on. Yep. So uh, we'll be compiling all that stuff as well. But a lot of people are sharing their slides and everything too. So, but speaking of blog posts, let's talk about the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So obviously we had a busy week with the conference. So I did try and find some non-conference related stuff to talk about in here. So there's a little bit. Um, so Will De Bruyne actually um, released his third in his CB security series today called Security mm. Rules. So we talked about CB Auth in the previous one. And then basically talked about uh, how annotations are easy to understand as good starting point, but sometimes you need more flexibility with security rules. And this is where the security rules and CB security kick in. And so uh, he, uh, he wrote a pretty positive post here. Uh, I'm going to share my screen for those who are watching. So he goes in some detail, like when you'd want to use them, talking about some of the properties of a rule. And so this is sort of the breakdown of how a rules made. We've got whitelist, secure list, a match, roles, permissions, redirect, override event, use SSL, action, and module. Uh, and, you know, so he talks about whitelist and, and secure list. So this is a really good documentation. Um, you know, if you really want to go through, he's even got a nice diagram here too. So really thorough. Will's been doing a lot of the... Nice. Yeah, a lot of good documentation on this CB security, so he's really helping to get up to speed. So if you guys are uh, looking for using CB security version 2, definitely check out his blog series. It's good content. I like that. So I did lie. There's one uh, blog post in here with the slides from <laughs> Into the Box. How dare you. Yep, so Pete Freitag uh, actually shared his continuous integration, zero to infinity. Um, to infinity? Wow. He's done out. He's out on everybody. We had like the 60 minutes and the like zero to 60 in 60 seconds. Now we just have zero to infinity. Yeah. So you can't, you can't one up that man. 
Yep, so you can see his slides in his CI examples, which are pretty neat. And the cool thing I like about it is, you know, he tries to show different versions, but the example app had GitHub Actions, which is pretty new. I haven't actually used that one yet. I know we use GitLab and Bitbucket Neither and have I. Circle yeah, CI. And, I mean, been on my list to play with, so I'm glad that he's he's gone through it already. Yep, and he's using Minibox in here, which is his um, new uh, Docker image based on a very tiny version of Command Box, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. I know you've been using it for a couple of client projects too. So yeah, love me some Minibox. So he's got this this diagram on your screen shows a CF compile, fixinator, test API, test box, lint, uh, CF lint, code checker, Docker. It's like all the like steps of his job. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, one of the things I'm curious about is how fast uh, the uh, the GitHub actions are as far as you know spinning up the job and running it. Yeah, I know that it's kind of a reoccurring thing with some of our client work is you know the the build pipelines can take quite a while to to spin up and do all the steps and and complete, which can feel like forever when you're just trying to get a push out to production and you have to wait for the the Docker image to build. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how quick actions is to to run stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you get it faster if you just put skips and everything, so it just skips all your steps. Yeah. But that, is, that kind of defeats the purpose of it, right? Pro tips. Pro yeah. tips. Skip your tests, and your build will run faster. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so we had Ben Adele, and basically from the over the last week, he's been working with a data scientist. And so he says he thought he was pretty good with SQL. He's learned a few things, so he decided to share them. And so one of these blog posts here, he was looking at, performing a left outer join on an inner join to write a more expressive SQL. And as usually, he's, you know, really thorough with his examples. And so this was talking about, you know, how someone might have a friend and their friend might have friends. And so you, you may not have friends that have extra friends though. So, you know, you have to do a friend <laughs> and then you do a left outer join. And then if they have a relationship, then you'll do an inner join off of that friend relationship. And so he sort of walks through it and gives some examples and, you know, how the data difference and everything. So, um, again, pretty useful. And then a little I bit never knew there was so much drama in writing SQL. Friends and non-friends. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll share that one in the, the chat. And then we also have... I already a, did. Oh, you already did? I'm a, oh, you're, I'm a step ahead of you. Okay. Well, then you can share the next one while I open it on my screen here. So the next one is using select and union all to join SQL tables to a CSV data in MySQL. Mm. So this was interesting because he only had read permissions on the server he was working in. So he had to do some tricky stuff to get the CSV and the data sort of merged together. So, um, yeah, like I said, if you guys are working with SQL, there's always more to learn. There's always lots you can do. And, you know, I like, like the fact he was using multiple curses to do some trickery too. So that's always cool. Interesting, yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, so a good little little blog post there. I mean, I'm always learning more with SQL. Working with Eric and Quick and QB, you know, there's some definitely some tricks I learned along the way. I thought you never have to touch SQL again once you use NullRim. Don't know how it works. Well, the problem is, is that we have to help <laughs> write Quick and QB to make it do what we want it to do. So, oh, okay. so yeah. But um, I was just learning. I mean, a lot of the times you're you're creating the Quick relationship you have to sort of tell it how, how things should join and, and whatnot. So yeah, you got to describe it. So next on the list, we have Brian class who did an awesome S3 presentation into the box. 
And so this is actually the second in the series, and the first one is later. I should probably fix the order here. But so he's basically doing um, an S3 series now. So beyond the basics of using AWS S3 and CFML, uploading a file via the AWS Java SDK. And so this session here is, I mean, that he had was basically a, a nice run through of all this S3 um, stuff. But the series, if it's anything like the series he did last year, which was like 16 po blog posts in the series, um, <laughs> expect a lot of great content coming. That's not a here, series. So. That's a book. To be honest, Brian, you should probably turn it into a book. <laughs> Call <laughs> hey, it the get, CFML AWS S3 book, you know? Git book, man. Put it on Git book as Markdown. You can use our uh, command box Git book exporter to turn it into a PDF file. Boom, send it to print. You should. That's a, it's a great one. So, yeah, so this is the, the good first part. Talks about IAM permissions a little bit too minimally because uh, that's the one thing is he's got a couple of sessions he's given previously about IAM and, and that whole nightmare but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so a good content um yeah definitely. and i mean we had we had brian class at into the box i like i didn't get a chance to look at a session um because i was monitoring the other room but he had one called i didn't know s3 could do that yeah so it's a lot of stuff that you can do with those those uh amazon web services that people don't always know about yeah, and so this is talking about the whole S3 series, and so he's going to talk about uploading a, a file to S3 via the AWS SDK, uh, IAM permissions when using the SDK versus the CFML tags and functions, making S3 buckets private and using signed URLs, which is awesome. We should do that. Yeah, we love As those. he mentioned, never have public buckets. Like all those credit card <laughs> companies that got you got messed up because it's easy to make them public to get accessible no one's gonna find it people will find mm, yeah it. you think it's, you yeah. think it's a it's a crazy url nobody would guess it yeah. and we we love the signed urls because it's the age-old thing of i have a big file i want somebody to download it but i need to secure it but i don't want to have to you know redirect through a cold fusion page to like serve up this huge file with cf content and you put it on s3 you create this like signed url that's only good for you know, a certain time span from a certain IP address, and you can send that URL to the user's browser, and you just redirect, and they can hit, hit S3 directly. There's a ton of great stuff you can do with S3 and those signed URLs, and those aren't even a new feature; been yep. around forever. Yep. He talks about encrypting objects at rest using different storage classes, which is really neat because they've added two or three more storage classes recently. So I really liked his explanation of that in this session. And then talking about object lifecycle flows and versioning on a bucket. And remember, every version, it costs you. So, so yeah, his session was really good. And this is going to be a great series. So can't wait to, to read them all and get up to speed. I definitely, I use AWS. We use it with clients. And I know, you know, a decent amount of it. But there's so much in it. You know, they've got a lot of flexibility, which means there's a lot of complexity too. So, but yeah, so that was a, a good blog for sure and i can't wait to see the rest of that we also have um another one from ben adel this has to be the shortest post i've ever seen ben write. like well, did he get sidetracked and forget to keep typing well this was actually more of a, a design <laughs> one brad so this is perfect for oh, you because okay. he's talking about how to use some design skills because he doesn't have any yeah. and so i thought it'd be a perfect starter course for you because you need to i'm work sure on he that. has more than i do <laughs> so he was talking about using layer blend modes to highlight text and graphic design so if you basically put an overlay and you make it transparent it looks like this but if you actually you know add a multiply to the overlay then the the yellow doesn't get washed out and the text shows through all the way so um, you know, 
just little things like that blend modes on layers pretty interesting um but yeah so so he says hmm. probably a few people are out there laughing at his newbie graphic skills but uh it took him years <laughs> to figure it out yep well, all good there's always somebody else out there figuring out the same thing so yep cool cool and then there is a, a blog post from nolan too about speaking into the box obviously speaking it's, of our conference last week yeah <laughs> but i just wanted to highlight this here because this is what we always have to highlight every single year here's his annual reminder that the majority of the conference is not call box <laughs> specific can we stop yelling this yet? Has everyone no. learned this by now? I hope so. Just in case, there you go. My talk on Testbox, for example, all the content will work on any FM, any CFML app. Yes, any, not just Coldbox apps. So yeah, so he talks, you know, just about coming up. And but I wanted to highlight that especially because <laughs> every year people say I don't use Coldbox. Well, there's still a lot of good stuff in here you can use you know i mean i really like the electron yeah. app that tony junkies does too so, yeah i watched that session that was pretty cool of course he's using quasar which i love so i was happy for him to <laughs> do that as, as soon as the word quasar escaped his lips i thought of you because you're always talking about quasar gavin it's pretty cool you're gonna be using it for command box real soon you don't even know it <laughs> let's do it let's quasar this baby up cool we also had a couple of blog posts um as well right before into the box uh, actually went live thursday so it was after our last episode so we had one there um basically a, a meet the speaker on matt clemente so he's been doing a lot of uh you know great uh live streams and everything so if you want to learn a little bit more about him we have a blog post on that and then we also had one thanking tier becoming a bronze sponsor as well so they they joined us and became a sponsor so we definitely uh, appreciate all the sponsors, all the speakers, and all the attendees for making it such a great conference. So, mm -hmm. okay, so like I said, with into the box, we actually had a pretty light week for for that, but there's still an opportunity to find a job. So we got two <laughs> new ones this week. So it looks like they're looking at a cold fusion programmer in Washington D.C. full time, and a full time software sorry cold fusion software engineer in washington dc so those are both posted on may 7th and those are available on the get cfmljobs.com website where they're listing 24 current cold fusion positions from 17 companies across 15 locations and five countries so if you guys are looking for work there's a good amount of jobs up there still and remember that site is a cold fusion site they scrape a lot of other job sites and everything too. So they've got lots of good content. So save yourself some time and uh, check that out. Get yourself a job. Or maybe that coworker of yours you really dislike, you can like be like, hey, shouldn't you start looking? <laughs> Are you trying to get rid of me, Brad? <laughs> I haven't started sending you links yet. <laughs> uh -huh, sure. I saw you copy that one. Yeah. Okay. So now well, Forgebox well, module of the week. Yeah. What do we have this week? Well, uh, one of the other announcements from last week was the Coldbox Debugger version 2.0.0. And so this is a, a, a big update here. And so this is a, a module that will enhance your application with debugger capabilities. So it basically pops out a nice <laughs> little debugging panel for you. So you can uh, make your Coldbox application development nicer. And, and Luis even says funner is a new, is actually a word. But, uh, I think it should be spelled with two N's if it is, but hey, I guess yeah, we'll let him make it up however he wants to. 
<laughs> yep. So the cool thing is if you have the, the Coldbox debugger, make sure it's a development uh, dependency so it doesn't get installed or production. But basically, with your you can change your settings, and then if the debugger runs at the end, it'll render out um, at the end of your request. And you can basically pop up uh, different panels to see different things. And one of the big things with version 2 is did a lot of formatting updates, and then Eric got busy and built quick and QB panels into the CPU. Got busy. So, I like that. So, I don't. Do you, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Is did the quick and QB support have to be built into the debugger module, or are quick and QB able to just like contribute that dynamically when the debugger is active? Currently, um, <clears throat> the way I think it's set up, I think. It's basically built into the cold box debugger right now, but I know that they've been trying to plan a way for it to have a contribution <clears> from <throat> modules so that it'll basically scan modules for debugger panels and then you can include them on the fly. That's something well, we've been wanting to do for a while, but I don't think I don't it's think been well, done yeah. This is more of an architectural discussion we could have later. But while I'm thinking of it, I don't know that you need to scan anything. Um, the way that, for instance, command box bullet train works is it just announces an interception point and any module out there that feels like listening to the interception point and responding can contribute cars into the train. Yeah. So that's how like the command box service manager module is able to add a car into your bullet train. Um, and there's no, there's no code in bullet train written for that other than the announcement of an interception point. Yeah. So that might, might be something that we could look at adding to the debugger. So, you know, it can announce some sort of like, Hey, anybody with debugging information, give it to me now. And then you could have a module out there listening to that and they can contribute panels in, you know, from a complete separate uh, standpoint. Yeah. And so that would be pretty, pretty cool. I know that we were talking about that for version two. I don't think they had time to roll it out before IDB. So fair um, enough. Fair but, enough. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of nice when you're working with QB and quick to be able to go in there and look at your SQL right inside the debugger. So pretty interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I tend to not use the, the built-in cold fusion debugging um, a lot most I kind of got out of the habit because it would kind of screw up any Ajax calls and stuff that I had by, you know, putting junk at the end. I know you can turn it off, but I'd always kind of gotten out of the habit. And then I would just, use, if I was, if since I was always running cold box apps, I would just toggle on the cold box debugger, um, which gives you a lot of the same information. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And then in the chat, some people are talking about having um, on the session list, we need a dependency section. That's interesting. Well, so we were talking about the, that came from Nolan's blog post when you said, you know, most of the conference doesn't, doesn't have anything at all to do with cold box. And then John Ferrari said, we could have two tracks, a, a, a into the box track and an out of the box track. <laughs> and then, so Scott has said, well, we should just have a dependency section. So each talk tells you what frameworks are a dependency. Yeah. And I said, box.json. <laughs> yep. This is not a horrible idea though. Like, you know, like tag our talks, like really like have like the logos of the products that are covered or yeah. maybe none if it's just a random Kubernetes talk, which is like half of our talks. Yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, yeah, obviously the descriptions have a decent amount of information, but we can be more clear with those. So, but yep, so the Coldbox debugger is out. The blog post isn't out yet. So once we have that out, you have a little more information, but the major features with version two is they dropped ACF 11 support. It's gone. Yep. Get it out of here. And then they added those uh, quick and QB panels. So if you haven't tried it out, uh, you should go do that. It's pretty cool. They've done some improvements in that formatting updates. I think it really helped too, because 
Yeah, it's been, it's been around a long time. We've had it for a long, long time now, and it's really needs a little bit more love. So maybe with the inception points, we can start adding a lot more goodness into it. You know, if your APIs can throw all sorts of data at it too from the inception point and stuff, it may be pretty yeah, neat. Yeah, I mean, I, I love being able to build stuff that's like extendable like that. So, you know, it, based on what else you have installed, it gets stuff, you know, contributed. You know, talking about all this booting Cold Fusion 11 out to the door, which, you know, I'll add has been out of core support since what, last April, I think, or more. Um, by Adobe. And of course, the extended support from Adobe means nothing. It literally means per their own documentation, they will help you upgrade. So anyway, uh, I, I pulled up the state of the CF Union survey partial results real quick just to see where CF 11 was on the list. Um, and it is behind 2016 and 2018. Um, it's interesting, Adobe 2016 is the highest out of the Adobe engines. Lucy 5, uh, three years later, actually beat all the Adobe engines, which is pretty crazy. Hmm. But yeah, so CF11, uh, 132 respondents. Of course, that number by itself is sort of useless without it being a percentage. Compared to 203 people using 2016, 186 people using 2018, um, 132 using CF11. And of course, 216 users said they were using Lucy 5 or later. So it's there's definitely quite a few uh, quite a few people still on Cold Fusion 11. You know when you get to Cold Fusion 10, 9, and 8, those those graphs are getting a lot smaller. Um, but yeah, I mean there's there's a decent chunk of people still floating around out there in Cold Fusion 11. It's not that um, I don't know how to word it, but there's still quite a few people using it basically. But uh, you know we we had to we had to start dropping support for the stuff, or otherwise we get stuck where we can't innovate you know, coal box and our modules and things like that, because we can't use the the latest features of the, of the frameworks. So, yeah, I mean, I know I always, there's so many cool language yeah. features we want to use, but Oh, can't use that for another six years. I know. I, <laughs> I hate to drop a version because I know there's people out there that are like, Oh dude, I'm on cold fusion 11 still, but it's like all the people on cold fusion 2018 that really want to be able to dive in and use, you know, arrow functions or closers or other, you know, asynchronous features. And we have to be like, Oh, sorry. We're still supporting Cold Fusion 11. We can't do any of that. So, you know, you get to you get to a point where you have yeah. to drop something. It's even worse, too, when you get pull requests from people writing something, you know, like they're in the community, they're doing something to help you. And you're like, sorry, that won't work on CF11. They're like, I know. So, and like the module's still yeah, supporting like, it. Sorry. Like half of the array member functions <laughs> weren't introduced until after CF11. And I try to go and use it. And I'm like, oh, I can't use that one yet. Dang it. Yeah, it definitely happens. been there. Yeah, and as John Fryer says, modernize or cry. <laughs> oh yes, you will cry. Yeah, weeping and nailing of teeth, okay. nailing of teeth, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> There's something happening with your teeth. It's not pretty. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, what do we have? A VS Code hint and tip and trick. Yeah. Week. So this one just came out all over Twitter. I actually got a couple people send it to me as well in the Slack. So this is the Draw IO VS Code integration. By what? Deming Heidrichs. I used to use Draw.io with uh, Google Docs. We do, and we still can. And the cool thing is, is that you can basically draw Draw.io files directly in Draw. You can drop them in. And the cool thing is you can do split editor. So you can go to XML mode below it. And so when you're resizing, like say you're dragging your, uh, your objects in, um, you can actually resize and do all that via changing the XML code. So it shows it right up. It's pretty neat. Um, so a lot of cool features, um, you know, like here's some little screenshots for those watching. You can basically just drag things over, make all the changes right inside of VS code. That's pretty neat. Um, nice. 
So yeah, and the cool thing is some of the Draw.io stuff actually allows you to take a diagram and actually generate code from it. So I think with some of the like view stuff, you can actually build out some of it and then create code from it. And it'll, it'll do it based on the, you know, the names of your classes and your properties and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, but this, this is a cool option here, the XML right below. So if you want to like make your images certain, the little boxes a certain size, you can go in the XML and change the width and height. Just way easier. It's even more functions. powerful than the, the Google Docs integration. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So I, was, I saw that and I was like, ooh. I know I do a lot of diagrams for clients when, you know, trying to get complex workflows down. Mm. Anytime you do a workflow, including JWTs back and forth, you got to do a diagram. <laughs> so definitely be using you know, I'm just going to make a prediction. I think eventually there'll be so many VS Code extensions, it's just going to take over Windows. We won't even use Windows anymore or Mac, we'll just boot up computers directly into VS Code, and it'll just do everything we need. I, I'm calling it right now. It's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so in the chat here, John Fryer says, is it the GitHub extension? So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you're asking there, John. Yep, but definitely go check that out. Um, I already shared the link in the chat there so in the show notes you can check it out for everyone else but it's just yeah draw io um but yeah pretty excited to to see that up and running there so next up we have our patreon supporters and as we mentioned before thank you to our newest return supporter calvin stanton so he was at the conference last week and chatting a little bit with us in the in the open mic chats as well so Glad to have him back supporting the open support Patreon. Yeah, and he wasn't going to be able to come into the box when it was a physical conference, so the virtual um, format allowed him to, to be a part of that. Very cool. We had a handful of people like Kai Koenig who would have not been able to make the 10,000-hour flight, <laughs> wouldn't have wanted to, Yeah, but was able to be there. Now, of course, his time zones were all wonky, but... It's okay. It's cat woke him up at three o'clock in the morning so he could watch the keynote. So it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I arranged with this cat for that to happen a full week ahead of time. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but so thanks to all our Patreon supporters that you guys are personally supporting our open source initiatives, like our oh. podcast as well as everything else. Yes, Brad. Sorry, I interrupt you all the time. Like John Farrar clarified what he was asking about with the GitHub thing. GitHub announced uh, just last week. It was the day before into the box. Um, that sort of like online development kind of thing. Remind me of that Cloud9 yep. site that came out a few years ago where it had that like an Atom-based... Oh, really? Yeah, um, yeah it was, it was kind of like a, a, a totally, not virtual, but a totally cloud-based editing environment with like a web browser-based editor, web browser-based, or, you know, cloud-based files. You could run the code all there in your browser. Um, Git, GitHub announced something that kind of sounded like that's the direction they were going. And that's what John Farrar was asking about in the chat. And I am really curious about that. Of course, yeah. Well, VS Code, the, the cool thing about it too, is that it, it runs the, you know, you could actually use it as your own editor if you wanted to include it in a blog, like the editor itself. I think it's Magnolia oh, or yeah. something. I forget the name of it, but it's separate. And you can actually use that in a browser oh, wow. outside of VS Code. But yeah, they have VS Code browser versions and everything. And yeah, it sounds Dang. like they're adding well, it to GitHub. I loved what Scott Steinbeck did in this into the box session is he had his Raspberry Pi, which normally when I've done Raspberry Pi work, I like, you know, SSH in, I install Nano, I edit the files in Nano. Well, now you can just run VS Code on your main computer and have it SSH in behind the scenes to the Raspberry Pi and you get your entire development environment and console and everything as though you were running it on the Pi or whatever the remote server is. Yeah, the VS um, remote uh, plugins are pretty awesome. 
Yeah, that was really sweet. Yep. Anyway, we're like total VS Code fanboys here. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. many cool things. Cool. Anyway, so back to Patreon supporters. <laughs> Thank you for uh, supporting us <laughs> and our babble every week. But uh, <laughs> you also support things like Command Box, Forge Box, Cult Box, Content Box, Test Box, and all the other boxes. And all the money from Patreon goes to open source uh, stuff, especially with um, our podcast here. So as we mentioned, we're almost halfway done to fully supporting it. And so we have a, a good number of sponsors here. And if you want to find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash order solutions. And just so I can show their pretty faces on here, for those of you who are watching, we have a pretty, couple in the Hall of Fame here on uh, the Auto Solutions About Us. So Don Bellamy and Eric Hoffman, these guys are extra special Patreon supporters. So they get to show up at the top of the page. Nice. But we also have some uh, great partners and sponsors here as well. But here are our sponsoring individuals. So as you can see, we've got a good number here. So thank you, Ben Adele, Brett DeLine, Calvin Stanton, Dali, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, The Dealers, Nikki, Don Palami, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Kai Koenig, Laxmo Tedahadi, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Ryan Hughes, Scott Steinbeck, Sean Oden, Stephen Klotz, Sinatrix, and Yogis Messer. And if you guys are having a picture here that looks like a superhero and you want your real picture, send us one through and we can get that updated. And I'm surprised this one... Oh, there it is. There's Jordan. Jordan Clark. So... Yeah, thank you everybody for supporting us, uh, and we really appreciate everything you guys do. And if you can't financially support us, you know, pull requests, uh, issues, being logged on all of our projects, all of that does count. It all helps, and we appreciate every single one of them. Yes, we do. Okay, well, we've had a great week this last week. Uh, back to normal, though, so I guess we got to get some work done this week, Brad. Yep. From our super crazy back to our just normal crazy, so yeah back sure. to the grindstone very cool okay well you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week have a good one yep thanks a lot guys bye show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like spotify or itunes we also have the link to youtube to find more videos just like this the music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.